0: We are repentant, we are grateful, we are redeemed, we are prayerful, we are First Baptist Church.
1: is our God. As we begin worship this morning, as we continue worship this morning, let me read to you from Romans 12, the first two verses. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Come, Christians, be committed. Hymn 604, stand together, let's sing. around you in worship this morning.
0: Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are grateful that you are here. If you're a guest with us this morning, we would love to get to know your name and to get to know you. And the way we do that are on these cards. It should be in the pew back in front of you. It say "Connect Here," and so we'd love for you to take those and fill those out and put it in the uh, the offering at the end of the service. Now, with that said, let's recognize why why we are here this morning. See, we are here this morning because we were helpless. But Jesus Christ gave us a hand to lift us out of our helplessness. See, we we are here this morning because we were sinners, and Jesus Christ cleansed us. See, we're here this morning because we were enemies, but Jesus Christ reconciled us. Because of Him, we have been made right and whole, and so we worship. We worship and we lift up His name as holy. His name is above every other name. Until we gather together in this place, we gather together across the globe so that we can praise the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So let's continue in that together. Let's pray, Father. We come into this place knowing that You are Almighty Lord. We bow before Your sovereignty. We are the created ones, broken in need of a savior, and Lord, you provide it. You gave us the help. You gave us all that we need. And so we lift up our voices to you this morning, Father. And as we do, we pray that you would hear our song. And as our song rises to the heavens, Lord, that your spirit would descend on this place in a mighty way that we may see and experience your spirit in ways that we never have before. So, Lord, we invite you to come as we draw in near to you and cling to your promise that you will draw in near to us. It's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray.
2: Amen.
1: We as, a, we as God's people have need to confess would you agree with that? And we confess in, a, in different ways. One of the ways that we do it is repentance. You've heard that preached here a lot. We need to repent when we, when we sin against God. But another way to confess is to state what we believe. To confess who God is and what we affirm him as a, as a body, as individuals, as families. And so we do that in many ways. As we sing these songs together, we're confessing our faith. As we read Scripture, we're confessing that we believe that Jesus is who He says He is. So as I read this scripture from Romans 5, 6 and 10, I hope that this is a confession of who you know Jesus to be and what He has done for us. I hope you will hear Colossians 1:20 20 through23 echoed in these words as Paul is staying on point as, to his, church, his, his letter to the church in Rome. So follow along and let this be your confession today. For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen? Amen. I affirm that. That is that is truth. What a privilege it is. As we sing this next hymn, Take my life and let it be consecrated, sing these words, let them echo again of your of who you know Jesus to be, stand together, let's worship.
0: Amen, children. Come on down. Come meet me right down here. Good to have all of you this morning, and we're grateful for those of you watching on TV this morning. Um, We love that you are a part of our church and a part of this time together. Come on in. Come on down. Good morning. All right, here we go. All right, I've got I to have a few questions for y'all this morning. And so I want, you to, I want you to respond to a couple of questions, okay? So I want you to think with me when you, were, when you were hungry. So think back the last time you were hungry, and the last time you were hungry, or maybe it's right now, I don't know. The last time you were hungry, what did you do? What did you do when you were hungry? What did you do? You ate? Is that what you did? What did you eat? What did you have? A Subway sandwich. A Subway sandwich. That's perfect. Good job. Subway is not affiliated with our church in any way. Um, Glad you had a Subway sandwich. So let me ask you another one. So when when you were hungry, you went and got something to eat. You went to Subway to get something to eat. Let me ask you. So what would you do the last time you were really tired? What did you do when you were tired? What did you, you do? You went to bed. Good. You just go straight to bed when you're tired? Is, is, that, is that the rest of you? Is that what you did too? Did you last time you were and tired? You can, and you can also eat homemade Subway sandwiches. Oh, you can make your own. That's true. That's true. Even when you're tired, right? Even when you're tired, you can have a homemade sandwich. That's right. When you're tired, you go to sleep. But sometimes we need a, a late night snack. All right, one more. Let me ask you this. So what did you do the last time you were really bored? What, what did you do the last time you were bored? You, you, you played a game. What, what about the rest of What did you do the last time you were really bored? What did you do? Yeah, you eat more. That's good. Yeah, what do you do? Go to go play outside. And sometimes we eat when we're really bored too. We're, we're on the sandwich train today, aren't we? That's good. That's a good, that's a good place to be play Minecraft, that's a good thing to do. But let me tell you, so all of those things, right, we have these, these moments in our, in our lives where we're hungry, we go get something to eat, we're, we're, we're tired, we go to sleep, we're, we're bored, we find something to do, right? So we have, we have the before and then we have the after. And I want you to recognize something. All of us go through a time where we start to realize we need Jesus Christ. And there's a time in our life that's before Jesus. And just like all those things that you said, there's a really easy response to that, right? If you're hungry, you go get something to eat. If you're, you're tired, you go to bed. Same thing, when you start to recognize in your life that you need Jesus Christ, there's a really simple thing that you need to do, and that's submit your life to Jesus and say, I'm going to follow Jesus wherever He goes. And so then there's a life before Jesus and there's a life that's after Jesus. It's just like when you eat, you become full. When you draw near to Jesus Christ, he makes your life blessed and holy in a way you can't do on your own. So I want you to listen to that in the sermon today about what it's like before Jesus and what our lives are like after Jesus and how He fills us up as only He can. Okay? Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for this time. Lord, we thank You for allowing us to be together. And Lord, we pray that You would help us to know Your Son, to come into a relationship with Him. Lord, be His own. Lord, help us to see clearly as You see it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all.
1: Okay, church. Time for honesty now. How many of you have practiced three circles? How many of you have practiced the three circles that Pastor has called us to, to learn and to, to know and to be familiar with in our time for witnessing? Okay, so. I'm not going to ask you to look around, but I'm a, I want you to know that pastor called me into his office and he he had me practice three circles with him and you, you'll be happy to know that he accepted Jesus. So, <laughs> that, so I, I got it right or something, but I hope that you're practicing this. I hope and if you're not familiar with the three circles, I want you to go back to the, the time for teaching that's online and and, and and listen to it and watch it and and know who we are as a church. Know what, what Professor Chris is calling us to do to re- repent, witness, and disciple. And I say this because of this. I've been reading Colossians chapter 1 these last several weeks. And I've marveled at how simple the gospel is. That we are a broken people. That Christ is perfect. And that he died for us so that we could, we could have access to the, to the eternal life. And isn't that beautiful? Isn't that one of the reasons we come to celebrate every Sunday? Let me tell you, Colossians 1, 20 to 23 is a picture of of the gospel. So if you're looking for some, some scripture to put with those three circles, let me encourage you here to read this scripture and to know it and know it well. Look at this hymn, 286, I saw the cross of Jesus. Again, it's a perfect picture of the gospel. So if you're looking for ways to tell someone about who this Jesus is and what he has done, learn these words. And and share them freely because, friends, it's what we've been called to do. So let's stand together, let's, let's worship, and let's know these words. 286, I saw the cross of Jesus. Continue to worship. You may be seated.
0: Amen. if you would find your listening sheet looks like this we're going to read together Colossians 1 20 through 23 and let's stand And we're going to read that aloud together this then is the text for today and through him to reconcile all things to himself having made peace through the blood of His cross through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet He has now reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made minister. May God bless the reading of his Word. Oddly, it has been an emotional World War II week for me. That great war has crossed my path several times this week. First in a British TV program, another time in Malcolm Gladwell's new book. A couple of different people have brought up Winston Churchill this week. And I I was mesmerized on Tuesday. I went down this internet rabbit hole Tuesday of then and now pictures, before and after pictures, the then and now of Europe of World War II and Europe now. And in fact, there are thousands of these photos online, but I think the best were from the Atlantic's website. Five years ago, they did their 70th anniversary tribute to D-Day. And I want you to look at a few of these pictures with me. They're then and now, the before and the after. You'll see them up on the screen. Uh, The the one on the left there is the before. That's the then. Those are U.S. troops marching through Weymouth, England before D-Day. In fact, you you look on the right and you, you see the very same spot. The now, the after. A family walking down the street together. Two children there on that same road you can see, look at, look at the next one. There's, there's another one here. Those same troops boarding Higgins boats, preparing for, for D-Day. And on the right, you see the very same place after. There's a, there's a sweet calmness after the war. There's a peace over that harbor, isn't there? And then one more. Here, here's the next, and maybe most dramatic on, on the left. You, you see, that's the invasion of Normandy. That's Omaha Beach. All those same troops storming the beach. On the left, that's the before, the then. And you come over here to the right, you see the after. It's a picturesque beach. Life springing up again. Look at the green before the sand. how life has come back after that great war. You know, many of us are stuck in those before pictures and I don't mean stuck in the past but our lives are stuck in the brutality of war that if you have not fully surrendered to Jesus Christ your life is at war see before Christ life is nothing but brutality it is an exhausting struggle just to survive to fight another day before Jesus Christ, there is a battle for our own hearts that's much tougher than we let on. We have declared war on God, and we don't know how to get out of it. Pridefully, we, we downplay the situation. We, we tell ourselves, in the back of our mind, we, we keep repeating, I didn't declare war on God. It would be absolutely foolish to do such a thing. Why why would anybody declare war on God? That's what we say. But what does our our scripture tell us today? We look down in verse 21 with me. It should be here on the screen too. Colossians 1, 21. You were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, and engaged in evil deeds. You see, this is who you are. This is the picture of your life before Jesus Christ. And in fact, if you do not yet have Jesus Christ, that is the current situation of your life. Enemies of God engaged in evil. Our hardened hearts are hostile. We are a hostile faction declaring war on God. We keep saying we're not at war with God. But our actions say that we have done just that declared war on God. In fact, look at one more text with me, James 4:4. 4, 4. It'll be right here with us. James 4:4 4, 4 says this, "You adulteresses, do you not know? So he's this is describing the same situation. Friendship with the world is hostility towards God. Friendship with the world is, is uh, amounting to treason. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself what? An enemy of God." You see, every time we allow ourselves to be swept away by sin, every time we allow ourselves to be swept away by greed or swept away by lust, every time anger takes root in our heart or our pride takes over our lives, every time we are caught up in envy of our neighbor, we are choosing sides, declaring allegiance to hostile forces. We tell ourselves, the little sins aren't that bad. But God says, they are an act of war. We have declared war on God, and we don't know how to get out of it. You know, interestingly, I was was reading a book this week. I was reading about about Hitler's uh, meeting before the war with British Prime Minister uh, Neville Chamberlain. In 1938, in fact, you can go online, you could see video of this. Uh, Chamberlain, the prime minister, co- comes back from his meeting with Hitler and, and declares peace. He says, Hitler and I have worked all of this out. It's a it's done deal. He believed what Hitler said and took him at his word. He was saying, Oh, this, it's not that bad. Then Hitler invaded Czechoslovakia. And he continued to tell Neville and anybody else that would listen, Oh, it's not an act of war, It's it's not a big deal. Hitler even wrote a letter to President Roosevelt about all of this. And Do you know what he said? Do you know what he told our president? In the last paragraph of his letter, he said to our president the very thing that we tell our God. At the end of his letter, he says, uh, it's not us that's to blame. It's just the present conditions. It's just the present reality of things. Don't blame me. That, that was Hitler's response it's Like this this is not an act of war then one year later he invades Poland again don't worry guys. this this is not an act of war and this is the very thing we do we declare war with our actions and then we downplay it it's not it's not me don't blame me it's just the conditions of the world right now it's just it's just the way it is these days It's the way things just are unfolding you see we we may not think it's fair But we need to understand the way this world works. Scripture gives us a clear uh, map here. One single sin is an act of war against God. And it's been that way from the beginning. Adam himself taking one piece of fruit meant expulsion from the garden and eventual death. From, From one single sin, by one desperate, selfish action, we declare war on our God. And then life becomes this vicious battle for our soul that we don't know how to get out of. That's the before picture. That's before the Lord Jesus Christ. There is an after. Like there's there's, there's a very hopeful after. Our lives do or our lives will look much different when we surrender to Jesus Christ. See, in an unprecedented turn of events, victory has been won at the crucifixion. That sacrifice that Christ made, the sacrifice we celebrate on Easter, was the victory. At the cross, God made things right again. And that, at that moment, the war is over. And even with that, with the battle being fought and won, the war being over, many of us are still fighting. And we're still fighting our God. Something wells up within us that that we we won't stop from fighting what God is doing. Peace has come. And some of us act like we don't even want it. But this this is the full offer of God. The, The full terms of peace are laid before us through the cross. Look at verse 20 with me. This is Colossians 1, verse 20. See it here. Uh, God, through Jesus Christ, reconciling all things to himself, making peace through the blood of the cross. We we were at war with God, and he came to us offering a new way, a time of peace. See, the, the, the battle is over. The terms of peace are available if we would stop fighting our Lord. God will even go so far as to classify you as Jesus Christ, That in surrender, you're made holy and blameless and beyond reproach. That's what verse 22 tells us. See, in verse 22, it comes to this place in our lives, holy, blameless, beyond reproach, something that we could never accomplish on our own. Some of us still think we haven't even accomplished in Christ, but we have in the person of Christ. That he has laid that before us in the terms of peace. And the amazing thing in the whole situation is that God sees you differently. You're not just some conquered combatant to God. You are His child. And as you surrender to Jesus Christ, God will never treat you as an enemy combatant if we would but surrender our lives unto Jesus Christ. You see, Christ Christ is continuing His work. The work of the cross is is still ongoing today. He's healing and, and restoring us to places beyond our comprehension. You know, there, there are times we struggle with this, that we, we struggle that, that we could be holy or blameless because we remember where we came from. We remember all of those po- uh, before pictures. How could I be made holy and blameless before God knowing where I came from? But let me tell you, that is the sure work of Jesus Christ, that on the cross, that was the complete payment that needed to be made, and you are made right with Jesus Christ. You're made right with God, blameless, and if we say anything else, we are limiting the work of Christ. We're limiting the work of Christ to something less than total victory over sin and death. But that is exactly what happened at the cross. Total victory and an offer of peace for each one of us. Now, when you're, when you're in war, especially war like World War II, resources are strained to their breaking point. All of your energy then, when you're in battle, all of your your energy has to go into fighting that war. In fact, in 1940 the United States automakers had to convert their production from cars into military needs. Chrysler changed all their plants in Detroit from cars to tanks. In 19, 1940, President Roosevelt called for the American economy to transform to, to, to transform from being the American economy to the arsenal of democracy so that every resource of the country would support the war. That's what had to happen. And that's what has to happen when you're in war. See, that's, that's the very same thing that happens to us before Jesus Christ. Same thing is happening in us. See, see, when we're before Christ and, and we are engaged in war, we are fighting back against our God, we are in battle with Him, all of our energy of ourselves has to go to that fight. All of our energy is, is used to cover ourselves up. All of our energy is used to camouflage ourselves. All of our energy and life and resources are used in defense. And there's, there's nothing left for you. And there's no hope left for you because everything that you have has to go to that fight. You know, inside of ourselves, when we're fighting back against God, we know that it's a losing battle. And still, we send all of our resources to the front lines to fight against the Lord. You see, before Christ, uh, our self shrivels up trying to survive. We try to survive on whatever we can scrounge up on our own. All of the effort goes to fighting the war within. However, after Christ, once we know Christ in this peace that settles on our heart and, and on our lives, there's no need to scrounge up on your own anymore. There's no, no need to waste your energy fighting the Lord anymore. And in the kingdom of God, every need that you have in your life is provided for you. And in that peace, and as God lifts you up, you have every opportunity to thrive. When you're in battle, there's no room to thrive. There's only room to fight and try to survive. But God pulls you out of that peace so that you can flourish, so that the flowers can bloom on the beach again. You could be made right and holy. See, in in this peace... You're going to have room to grow and the time to develop. The peace of God is for you. The peace of God is to build you up into His holy priesthood, into into this this mighty kingdom of God. And as you surrender to Jesus Christ, your capability skyrockets. See, your, your capability is then beyond because, for one, you no longer have to look over your shoulder anymore. But more importantly, Christ begins to cultivate your freed heart. And as Christ is cultivating your heart, there's new life that's lived in the freedom of this peace. See, see, before Christ, you're far worse off than you realize. You don't realize how draining the battle is on the resources of your life and your heart. It's killing you. See, we don't realize that before Christ. But then after, after we surrender to Jesus Christ, we are made new and right. And in Christ, you'll be more capable than you ever imagined you could be. You begin to blossom into something holy, good. In fact, we we have a responsibility to grow in this time of peace. As God brings and, and settles this peace in your heart, we must grow. The Spirit must do a work in us. And, and some of us, some, some people come to Christ and surrender, but, but they ignore the, the responsibility. And when we, we ignore the responsibility, we deny ourselves the, the growth. And we, we sink further into our recliners. We sink further into comfort. And we, and we don't ever grow beyond what we were. But God is, is giving you this, this time. God is giving you this peace in these days to develop yourself. To grow into the men and women that God has called us to be. And further still, God has given us this peace so that we could share His story. You see, there's there's still work ahead. Peace doesn't mean there's no work. Peace doesn't mean just relax. Peace means It's time to get to work. We need to grow. We're not nearly as developed as we think we are. And Jesus doesn't let us skip out on the hard work of life. But what what Jesus promises us is that as we go through the, the rest of life, no matter what we face, He is there with us. He is our support. He is our provision. He is our hope. And He will walk through everything that we will face together with Him. It's all part of growing in the faith maturing as God has called us to do this. And as you do, you must tell the story. It's like Paul mentions in verse 23. You'll see in the last verse of our text, Paul describes himself and, and describes where the Colossians were. He says, you, you've heard this hope of the gospel. You heard it from someone. And, and you, you've heard it from my brothers. And I do the same thing. I, I preach the same gospel. I proclaim the same message. I'm a minister of this message and this hope that we hold out for all of the world. And as you come to know this, part of your growth is is you sharing this story, sharing the, the life and the peace that God has bestowed upon you as you have known Jesus Christ. You see, when the peace comes, we're called to rejoice in it. We celebrate with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we share it with anybody who will listen to this story of hope. And let me assure you something, We, we know they're going to listen. And they listen to the story of hope. Because the war zone is brutal. And the war is taking a greater toll every single day. So why not? Why not share this story of the hope of the gospel? And pull them out of that war zone. Pull them out of the hostility towards God we have a way and we have a hope to pull pull them out of the war zone, sharing this hope of the gospel. And you know the truth of, of the matter and the truth of the text is that there's only one way out of that war zone. In fact, the only way out is the hope of the gospel. So we live it and we share it. Let's pray together. Lord, as we bow before you this morning, we recognize our our own faults and brokenness, Father. We are a people in desperate need of a Savior. And so, Lord, we, we surrender to you this morning, giving our entire self over to you. That we may know the abundant life in the kingdom of God. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Now we're going to have our time of response. And everybody in here needs to respond to God in some way this morning. There's a, there's a couple of ways in the bottom of your listening sheet. You see down here, maybe you need to respond to God in one of these this morning. So take the, take the time to do that. The, the altar is also open. You see these steps next to me. We come and we pray. We surrender ourselves again unto the Lord, kneeling before him. So come to the altar and pray. I'll also be down here if you'd like to come and visit. I pray for you. If you want to talk about accepting Christ or, or joining our church, this is the time to do that. We're going to give. We're going to sing. We're going to do so cheerfully. Each of these ways are, are ways that we respond to our God. And so now let's, let's all of us be obedient in response to our Lord. If you need to remain seated, please do. Uh, The rest of us, let's stand and respond to our Lord. We have some exciting days ahead of us. Let me share with you some of our life together moments that are coming. We, we are quickly uh, coming to October, and so there's, there's a couple of dates here I want you to be aware of. First, on October 6th, uh, that Sunday afternoon, we will have our area fellowships. This is where we go out across the city, and we have church together in each other's homes in different neighborhoods. And so we hope you will find a, a home in your part of town, and you'll sign up and be a part of that area fellowship. So you'll see, you can register online or in Unity Hall, um, but, but re- be ready for those. They're coming uh, October 6th, and then another one November 3rd. So that's the first Sunday in October. Second Sunday of October, we all come back together in the evening. We have our, our wonderful time of fellowship in our annual church picnic. So if all of you will come back and be ready for that, please note that for that dinner at our church picnic, you you have to have a ticket for that. And you can buy those in uh, Unity Hall or online to get a ticket for that dinner. And then one more that's not on here that's coming. This is a new thing that will be that next Sunday, October 20. On that Sunday night, we're going to have a night of mission celebration where we celebrate our first on mission trips all over the globe. And so we're going to go and uh, we're going to come together that night and just celebrate. And this will be a good, fruitful time. So we hope you'll come back for each of those Sunday nights, the, the first three in the month of October. Now, lastly, for me, you see this uh, beautiful uh, floral arrangement in front of me. Those are given to the glory of God and in honor of the 40th wedding anniversary of Bob and Linda Parker. And so we, we praise God for them. That's right. And um, if you see them, tell them you love them. And uh, thank them for their their faithfulness to the Lord. Amen.
1: We're challenged now to go out and do the good work that God has called us to do. Let's take the name of Jesus with you. Stand together.